click back into guys this stuff is serious this is not light it's not light kids getting hooked on pornography before they even come out of elementary school it's not light these phones I mean guys we have got to have discernment in this hour the stumbling blocks around us cutting off the hand and plucking out the eye a few points I just want to make sure are clear the day of the Lord you've heard statements in this conference like we're setting our hope in the day of the Lord We want to be sober about the day of the Lord. We want to be prepared for the day of the Lord. Just when you sometimes we're talking about the crisis events preceding the second coming. Sometimes it it may sound like we're talking about Jesus' coming itself. Sometimes it may sound like we're talking about what happens after Jesus comes. The answer is yes to all of those. But I want to just give a little clarity of how that works in the scriptures. When you're reading the scripture, sometimes you'll read about the day of the Lord and it's talking about the climactic events that precede the second coming. And it's using day of the Lord language for that. Sometimes you'll hear it used specifically for the second coming itself, the day of Christ, right? Or the the return of Jesus. We're talking about the day of the Lord and, and in the context of our discussions in this conference, we're talking about the return of Jesus and sometimes we're talking about his kingdom established on the earth, which is obviously more than a single day, right? It's, it's an extended period of time. One thing to keep in mind when, you, when you're reading the scriptures, how do these things all fit together? Are, I'm not, are, you put, are you saying putting your hope in the day of the Lord? Are you putting your hope in the Antichrist's rise? <laughs> no, that's not what we mean, but we're, it, I, just don't, I want to make sure there's no confusion here. You know, in the, when you read Genesis 1, it says, God created this, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day, the second day. In the Bible, and therefore, you know, in the biblical worldview, days start at twilight. A new day begins in, at the evening, and then goes to the following evening. And so a new, the, the day begins with darkness. And you start with darkness, twilight, and then it gets deeper and deeper darkness, doesn't it? To the deep darkness of night. And then it moves towards what? The morning where the sun comes up and breaks the darkness and then gives way to the day, a broader period of daylight. See what I'm saying? This is basically what the day of the Lord means, that the Lord's day, he has a contention, and it starts with some judgments in context to the rise of this climactic Antichrist empire. Things get tough. It gets darker and darker and darker. But then we get closer to the morning, and the morning is when the morning star rises. Jesus comes back. The morning when the light comes in and pierces the darkness, that's the second coming itself, which begins 
the time of his kingdom, the age to come, the new day where we're, we're living as children of light in this dark age, waiting for the day time. It's this figure of this time of light, darkness being evil, demonic stuff happening in this age, light being the kingdom of righteousness where darkness no longer dwells and reigns. Does this make sense? So that's why I just want to make a little clear, like when you're hearing us through around the day of the Lord and we're talking about hoping in the day of the Lord and preparing for the day of the Lord and being sober, we're hoping in the second coming (laughs) and in the things that follow. We're sober about the end times events that make the first part of that day, you know, the the evening part, the nighttime part. We're sober because those are the that's the time where we're going to see what kind of life we've been living up until that point. We're sober about it. We want to be prepared for it by doing Christianity 101, carrying the cross, denying ourselves, showing mercy to our enemies, all the things that we've been talking about by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we also have sobriety about the fact that when Jesus does come back, we're our, you know, what our lives were like is going to be openly displayed for all. Whether it's judgment, whether it's rewards, you know, you know well, you guys got, you made it into the kingdom, but your reward, you know, is... You know, whatever, you know, like those types of things. We want to have trembling about those types of things. Like, you know, we're hopeful for his coming. We know that salvation is coming, but we also need to have sobriety about the fact that we're going to give an account to him. And on that day, our secrets will come out into the light. Number two, suffering and carrying the cross. We've talked a lot about deny yourself, carry your cross, the fellowship of sufferings and I just I want to bring some some clarity when we're saying these things. We're not saying that we're in charge of all the stuff that happens that counts comes into the category of difficulty and sufferings. We can, you know, the self-denial part, right? That's we have to respond, we have to deny ourselves. But God is the one who orchestrates the times and the seasons just right so that the pressures are what they need to be and when we're not saying carry the cross means just like, oh, God, send my wife cancer. No, like, see what I'm saying? We're not like, see what I'm saying? We're not doing that. We're not just saying, all right, we've got to carry my cross. And so, you know, you start giving yourself the cross. <laughs> like, what can I do to make my life? What, you know, like <laughs> now I am saying we are, we need to deny ourselves. But I'm saying that there's there's sufferings in the category of circumstances of life that God brings, and he's the one in charge of that, and we trust him to do that, right? If he allows somebody to throw you in prison, that's, Paul wasn't always in prison, but he was often in prison, right? He liked the times when he was out of prison, right? And, but he came under some some, some pretty intense pressures as well, but his His faith was in God knows and God is good and God knows what I need when to prepare me for the age to come. See what I'm saying? I just want to make sure that we know like there's an element of just trusting the father to do what we know he needs to do to prepare us. Because the prayers in the New Testament are God, may God himself sanctify you through and through. That's the prayer. God, prepare us. God, make us ready to stand blameless on that day. God is the one who knows when, what pressure, how, right? I mean, 
my, my, like you may have a newborn baby, I'm not getting any sleep at night. We're not even talking about just dramatic, like, martyrdom, you're on the guillotine, right? We're talking about, like, God may just say, okay, I'm going to keep this person up a little bit at night. And I remember there were times when, when I, I'd be walking and be like, God, just please let this child sleep. Please let this child sleep, Lord. You know, and you wake up and you're trying to walk the baby back, the baby to sleep, and you're like, oh. And then suddenly anger starts to be like, oh, why did this baby just leave? You know, and you're starting to realize, man, there's a lot of like nasty stuff in my heart coming out. And it's nothing. It's just my child's not sleeping through the night. God is orchestrating. Like, God, can't you just help this baby sleep through the night? It's like, did you design babies to teeth? So that, I mean, it's just like every parent has to go through teething. And, you know, so let's let's realize like, if it's something like that, that actually matters to God. How you respond when that anger comes, when you're tired and you repent, like those things matter. Do that over a lifetime in those kinds of things. Those things count as sanctification and pressures. If we, you know, we're responding to those little things in preparation, knowing that bigger things are coming. So that's what I want to say is our prayer is for God to sanctify us. And our trust is that he'll do, he knows what's best and how to do that. He's not just going to, you know, he's not like, he, he's a good father who knows what pressures to bring and when. You know, you're not just going to be anxious like, who is the next thing going to hit me? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, Lord, okay, I trust you. I trust you. You know, you know what, what, what I need. Jesus, remember when he's going to the cross, he says, my time has not yet come. Right? My time has not yet come, meaning that I trust my Father's timing for the cross. So there's that element. But there is that call as well to deny ourselves as well. And a lot of that, that can come in context of pressures from without. It can come to the Lord speaking to you. You need to, you, you know, bring in conviction. You need to give this up. I just want to make sure that we are, we're, re, we're putting this in context to a daily walk with God and prayer and fellowship and hearing his voice and when we're saying these big important statements deny yourself daily you know carry your cross we're talking about walking in union with jesus who's shepherding us and leading us and knows what we can take when we can take it and how he's going to get us through it so i just want to bring a pastoral element to the equation as well because you know you're here martyrdom this the end of the age these kind of things we're like no and in those moments it looks like, you know, this was, this was kind of what my prayer life looked like this year, especially, you know, okay, Lord, you know, I'm, I don't know what to pray. Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I, I burned the food again. <laughs> Lord, is my wife going to wake up tomorrow morning? God, I'm scared. Help me. Strengthen me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Lord, I pray that, you, that you'd help me to know what to say to the kids. Help me not to just be sharp with them because, you know, I, I just was really on edge, you know, and just wanting to bring order feels like, you know, Lord, help me. Help me to know what to say to them. Help me to know how to, you know, and, um, you know, my, my four-year-old, she said, Daddy, do all, not everybody dies from chemo, right? <laughs> like, what do I say, you know, and, and just being able to, Bring the gospel to bear in those situations. He's merciful, he's kind, and he's tender to us in the midst 
of those afflictions and trials. Enough said there. Joy. You know, sometimes people will say, you DTN guys are just all about the cross and this and that, and you need to have a more of a balance that with a message of joy. Or whatever. You know, and I'm like, guys, no. There's one gospel. <laughs> the cross is at the center of it, and joy is at the center of it. See what I'm saying? It's not like I'm just going to have a message of the cross and a message of joy. I'm saying, no, there's one gospel. It's the message of the cross in light of the age to come, and there's joy in it. And the joy when, comes through the power of the Holy Spirit when you're in the trial. You don't, it's not a testimony to say, oh, I've got a million dollars in my bank and no troubles. Woo, I feel happy. The testimony is when everything has been stripped away from me, and yet I still love him, and I weep with joy, and I'm happy because I know that I have something coming that will never perish, spoil, or fade. That's the testimony. Joy in the midst of the cross is the testimony. That is something only God can produce, and that's why it's a testimony. Number four, biblical gospel. You've heard us talk about the biblical gospel. And a lot of times you hear that and you're saying, well, obviously it's the biblical gospel because it's the Bible. What we're saying by that is we're trying to, you know, it's tough because you want, you want to have humility and you don't want to write off what the Holy Spirit is doing in those who bear his name. There's over, there's like a billion people that claim to follow Jesus. How many of them actually do? I, I haven't had coffee with all billion of them. Like, I don't know. I don't see their hearts. But, like, but the thing is, I have to trust that the Lord of the church is moving in his church, right? I have to trust that if his spirit is in somebody else, that he's doing the same thing in them. He's taking them towards the same goals he's taking me in that sense. But I also have to be have discernment and say, not everything that is called the gospel is the gospel. See what I'm saying? You can call, you can call some, you can call a monkey an elephant, but that doesn't make it an elephant. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So that's what we're trying to say is we're not trying to be elitist in it. We're not trying to say that the spirit isn't work in different parts of the body. We're just saying, guys, there is a gospel that is put entrusted to us and it's on the pages of this book and if somebody is preaching a message and calling it the gospel and it doesn't match what jesus and the apostles teach as the gospel it's not the biblical gospel it is a perverted gospel right and we know that in the new the new testament itself those were arising at the very inception of the christian movement jesus said the wheat of the tares will grow up till the end of the age. And we're just trying to say, you know, the thing about the tares is that, you know, the Darnell is that in that parable is that it looks like wheat for a lot of the process. But then at the very end, when it's ripening is when you notice, hey, wait a minute, that's not wheat. That's the way it's black. It's like the grains are black. <laughs> it's poisonous. But until that point, that's why it's deceitful. It looks like wheat. But then, in the end, when the harvest comes, you realize, wait a minute, that was not wheat. And Jesus sifts it when he sends out the angels. And so we're saying, that's what we're saying is, we're not trying to be elitist. We're not trying to deny the work of the Holy Spirit and others. We're praying, but we're saying, God, 
What is the gospel? There's not five gospels. There's one gospel. And so I just want you to know, when you hear a term like biblical gospel, that's what we're saying. We're saying let's have the discernment and live our lives according to the standard that Jesus passed on to his people. Does that make sense? Those are, those are four areas that I felt like I want to make sure we come away clear on. Some practical areas of application. Tomorrow morning uh, in the Sunday morning service, I'm going to be locking, in this, uh, locking into this discussion in a lot more, uh, more thoroughly, so I'm not going to go into a, lo- a lot of it now. Gospel-centered prayer. Prayer is absolutely vital to Christian discipleship, to living according to the pattern, because prayer is the place where we acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. It's the place where boasting is just exposed. Like, prayer in itself assumes some sort of dependence and need, right? I'm going to God for something. We just want to make sure that we're praying things that God actually says He's doing, <laughs> right? If we're praying... If, if we're praying, thinking, we're, we're, we're praying along the lines of what the scriptures have said God is doing now, what he's going to do, what he's preparing us for, then our prayers, then our prayers are, ju- they're, they're, they're fully in agreement with the gospel. And we have, and our expectation in prayer is formed by, is informed by that gospel the outcome that we expect from prayer is defined by that gospel. Does this make sense? Gospel-centered prayers, the apostolic prayers, the prayers that the apostles prayed. Just let's, it's, we need to be careful not to stray far from those. There's a reason they prayed those things in light of the events of the, the appearing of the Messiah, what he's done, his ascension, the promise to come. There's a reason they prayed those things. Let's stay close to those prayers. Number two, I'm going to call it ites, is, isms, and ics. What I mean by that is relating to each other in the body of Christ according to the standard of the cross. There's too much mudslinging happening, name-calling. Even if we disagree strongly, with somebody from a different theological perspective. The cross gives us the response. The response is not put an ite on the la- on, put an ite on their name and demonize them. The response is if you genuinely believe that they're doing that they're teaching something that isn't in accord with the gospel, get on your knees and pray for them. If you genuinely believe that don't go on a Facebook slander campaign. Okay? John Wesley, it, would bra- it broke his heart when people started calling those that were influenced by his ministry Wesleyans. They're followers of Jesus. Okay? Now, again, I'm not... They're, they're, sometimes you just got to... Hist- we live in history, and we're 2,000 years into this thing called the Christian movement, and movements have developed, right? So it's okay to identify movements and streams. But, you know, I'm so thankful for Mike Bickle, right? I mean, look at this prayer model. 
the years that he's plowed in prayer in Kansas City, I mean, obviously the influence is felt here. It doesn't, you know, but that doesn't mean I'm a Bickleite. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm a part of the body. I'm a part of the body that I, I, there's a single head of the body. I might be a hand. I might be a foot. We're, whether we like it or not, we're kind of bound together, right? I mean, so if I have a disagreement with somebody at this ministry, whoever, I'm not, like, I have a standard. It's like, okay, Lord, I pray that you would prepare your body according to your gospel, right? John Harrigan, obviously, at DTN, we've been influenced by John. I know, I know John's life. I've watched the man. I've watched him adopt two children and love those children at great personal cost, both he and Lydia. They are saints. The world doesn't do that. I have watched him weep over this gospel. And I know it pains him when somebody gets on Facebook and says, you've sold out to the Harrigonites. We're like, I love John. He's one of, he's one of my best friends, and I've been heavily influenced by him. But I'm not a Harrigonite. No, for real. Like, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't follow Apollos or Paul or Peter. I follow Jesus. And if I have a disagreement with John, I'll pray for him to see the light. <laughs> okay? And tell you, know, I'm joking here, but I'm, the point is that sometimes John Harrigan is wrong and just needs to agree with me, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, so, no, but the point, the point, the point is that guys, we've got to love our enemies. We've got to love our brothers. Okay? And let's make sure that our theological categories, went to the degree which they might help us to understand something. Let's not, you know, I have a friend that I've, get, get some, a guy I've been getting to know back home, and, and I, 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 you know, again, I love, I love John Piper, but I'm not a Piperite, right? And I just, I, I feel so, I, I, my heart was hurt for him because he went to this college campus and because he was, you know, very missions-minded, and because he was influenced by, you know, he, he was touched by some of Piper's material, and Al Mohler at Southern, like, some of these things were blessing his heart, right? Doesn't mean that he agrees, or I agree with everything that these guys always say, right? But then, you know, so I, somebody will say, well, you believe in this and this and this, and I asked him, and he goes, well, I've never... I've never actually preached on that once, right? I've never preached on that, you know. And one thing that I practically have found myself needing to do, I find that when I'm when I'm having a conflict and a disagreement in my mind with somebody, I'm not sure if I like what you know. Like I need I I find that when I actually take the time to say, "Hey, can we have some coffee?" Tell me your story, right? Just like we did the, the, the last couple mornings. There's a reason we're doing that. Tell me your story. Don't tell me the five points of Calvinism. Don't tell me why the five points of Calvinism are wrong. I want to hear your story. 
right? I tell you what, your heart starts to become tender towards him. Your heart starts to be like, wait a minute, Lord. This guy didn't really choose to be born in this church. Like you start realizing, wait a minute, and Jesus begins to tenderize your heart. doesn't mean you don't ever have disagreements, but let's have some love in it. We always talk about being zealous for truth, right? Is it not true that God is kind and merciful in the way he teaches us about things? 2 Timothy 2 is one of the most provocative passages of the New Testament to me. Because he says, he, he, they're serious matters. I'm just going to read it. Let me read this to you. 2 Timothy 2. Listen to this. Don't have anything to do with foolish, verse 23. Thank you, sir. Foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Are we zealous for the truth of not quarreling? That's just as much as true, isn't it, as the other ones? Instead, he must be kind to everyone. Are we zealous for the truth that God is kind to people? Able to teach. Are we zealous for the truth of, man, I need to be able to present this in a way that reflects who God is and it's in accordance with the gospel. Not resentful. How many times have I been in a theological argument and I get resentful? Right? I mean, I want to be zealous for the truth of the thing I'm presenting, but also for... Not being resentful. That's true too, isn't it? Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. He's not, he's not watering down the seriousness of the issue here, is he? He's saying they've been taken captive by the devil to do his will, Right? It's serious. We're not saying that there aren't issues of truth and falsehood that need to be discriminated. But we're, but, but we're saying that even in the most intense of those situations, we've got to be zealous and for the truth of kindness and not being resentful in it, modeling the standard of the cross while we're doing it. This is one of the most challenging passages for me. I feel conviction for it, from it every time I read it, and I pray, God, you alone can produce this. You alone can produce this in somebody. How can we be zealous for truth and yet merciful in it? Because the truth of the cross itself requires us to be merciful and kind in it. God, help us. Being careful about the ites, the is, the isms, and the ics, okay? Relating to others by the center of the cross. Number three, the issue of immorality. This is a crisis in the church of Jesus, the Messiah, that he purchased with his own blood. It is a crisis. Saints, we have got to be on our knees. Kids are being bombarded with stuff at an early age. Where is this? This little thing right here. I mean, the things that are accessed within a click. Like, we have got to be on our knees crying out for God to give us victory in the area of immorality. Our thought life, cutting off the hand and the eye. If we can't, if we can't have the, the screen, get rid of the screen. What is a screen compared to the consequences of letting that into our minds? 
Guys, this is the will. Paul says it so clearly, 1 Thessalonians, this is the will of God for you. That you don't live in immorality and in passionate lust like those Gentiles who don't know God. This is a crisis. We have got to get serious about it in accountability, in prayer, learning how to get in touch with the Holy Spirit, clear, solid teaching about the practical mechanics of walking in the Spirit so that we mortify the deeds of the flesh, taking captive of our thoughts. What's the difference between temptation and sin? When have I cried? You know, we got to have some clear teaching on these things. we got to know how to do it practically. we got to know how to surround ourselves with people to fight this thing. Guys, this is life or death. It's life or death. We've got to ask the Lord for grace, for victory in this, in Jesus' church that he loves. All, none of, no temptation has seized us except what is common to man. None of us are exempt. The minute we think we're exempt, we're a big bullseye for the enemy. We've got to learn to walk that narrow path that Jesus builds his church. I'll build my church on this, this rock. How the mercy of God together with the severity of God and the the holiness of God come together in a practical walk of holiness together, getting clean. We've got to cry out for the power of the Holy Spirit to increase in our midst in this area. We've got to cry out for breakthrough in this. It's very serious. It's crisis, divorces, these things. And we're not always just divorces over... I mean, in the Christian movement, it's... It's almost hard to fathom things being said that you need to divorce your spouse for the sake of the movement. These kinds of things are just insane. It's insanity. Okay? It's insane. We have got to pray for the body of the Messiah to have freedom in the area of freedom from pornography, freedom from, from just the things that are coming at us on billboards and I mean, that journey from St. Louis to Kansas City, you guys know what I'm talking about. There's at least five. I don't know, it's just shameful even to mention it, the things that they're trying to seduce truck drivers to come into. Guys that are lonely and dry. I just, guys, we've got to pray for victory in this area. And we've got to mortify the deeds of the flesh, and do whatever it takes. Leaders, pastors, top down, young, old, bitter, we've got to be radical against this thing. Merciful and, and let people know if you've stumbled in it, there's still hope for you. There's hope. It's not You're not beyond the pale. You're not beyond the pale. There's mercy, but you must turn. You must turn. You must turn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's how the gospel says you turn. We're going to help you turn. We're going to come around each other in communities and help us get free of this thing, guys. It's it's just, it's a desperate time, guys. The pressures are going to only increase to the end, guys. We've got to learn to fight this battle together. Walking in love and mercy in disputable matters. Romans 14. Realizing that if somebody doesn't agree with your perspective on homeschool, 
that you don't go online and just smear them. It's a disputable matter. How many kids you have? Right? Health. I mean, I do you do chemo or do you do natural? Right? I can't tell you how many emails you 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 cry out to somebody, guys, please pray. I need help praying. And somebody sends their prayer and then they send this with it too. And then they send this, guys. Like, we have got to walk in love and disputable matters. Get some clarity. I'm not going to go. Read Romans 14. Let's, let's realize on disputable matters. Sometimes the Lord allows disputable matters so he can get to the heart and circumcise the heart. When that disagreement comes, how do you respond to your brother inwardly? Could it be that that's why there's such a thing as a gray category? To provide a context for the circumcision of the heart? Number five, we talked about this. Social media talked about this the first night. Having discretion. Realizing we need to have discernment about so, you know, there's some things that's like you're thinking, I would never say this to somebody face to face. I'm going to push it now, right? And then, guys, listen, some of these forms of communication are not effective, in, depending on what the goal is, right? If your goal is to say, this, I like this article, that's one thing, right? The one up, like, like we talked about, just getting knowing that our guy that we follow wins and taking pride in these little witty statements that they made, but really, like, that was actually the hand attacking the foot, right? Like, or whether it's, you know, whether it's Facebook or this or that. Guys, the Internet, thank God the gospel can get out to people. But guys, people are watching us. People are watching us. We've got to have discretion on things like this. The social media thing. Ask, what is it doing to my heart? Is this the best place for me to have theological debate? Do I need to do my primary theological argumentation through Facebook? You need to ask that. Because when you're talking about these things, does that person see your smiling face? Do they hear the gentleness in your voice? Right? See what I'm saying? Like, these things are very important to the dynamic. Those are the things that I felt like the Lord highlighted to me. Let's put these things into practice on practical levels. You guys can, I'm sure the Holy Spirit may have highlighted some practical areas to you. But guys, where do we go from here? The cross has to become, it has to come down to earth in our families, in our marriages, in our thought life, in going deep in the scriptures, getting, taking time to go in the grain. But we, you know, David, David Gordon's appeal, guys, go in the grain bin. You know, the point isn't DTN. The point is the gospel. You know, the point is sometimes it takes time to go in the word. You know, we kind of live in this generation. If it's not, two minutes in a little video right 
then we don't think it, we don't give it time, but it takes time to eat a steak. Our goal is to hopefully produce steaks. I don't want to produce cotton candy, right? But you eat cotton candy, oh, that's good. Steak, you're like, hmm. You know, like you want to enjoy it. It takes time to eat a steak. Our heart is to produce solid, meaty stuff. And if it's not, then we got to get it. We got to say, oh, that's really not meat. We're not going to put that in the grain bin. God, help us to be faithful witnesses and produce solid, meaty material. That's what our heart is. But only like, I can't force somebody to eat it. (laughs) I can't force somebody to say, you know what? I really do want to understand what the gospel is. And so whether it's the DTN website or some, whatever, you know, have discernment and take the time to go deep in the word and read the scriptures more than you read other books. You can't, if this is going to be your measuring rod for ideas and books and whatever, if this is going to be your measuring rod, you have to know, you have to be in this far more than you are in those okay otherwise you're going to start confusing those with this if you need to take a season to detox i just encourage you put everything else down and read through this over and over and over again for a season it's okay if you don't have that longest bibliography and you can't like do name dropping with who cares about Whatever book everybody's talking about, this is the book Jesus is talking about. Okay? Take some time if that's needed. But it takes time. It takes energy. So, again, tomorrow is not an official part of the conference, I guess. But we are going to be talking about the prayer side of it specifically. But, guys, this is, the hour is urgent. The hour is urgent. These are just a few examples. Take the spirit of what we're talking about and apply it to whatever else the Holy Spirit highlights to you. We can't go into all the different things, but these are just some examples. Let this get your wheels spinning when you're praying and ask the Lord, wherever you are, small group, church, whatever, family, what are the areas? I need to let the Lord, I need the Lord, let the Lord clean some laundry. I need to let the, I need the Lord to bring these things into alignment, just like we read in Philippians if on any matter, any area of our lives, we're thinking differently, our mindset is different from the standard of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, God, will make it clear to us. Let's ask Him to make it clear to us so we can apply it. Saints of God, so thankful for this time we had. I, 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 I know I can say with confidence that all the DTN guys, it's, our, it's been our honor and privilege to be here with you. The, the edification has been mutual. We've been mutually strengthened. Guys, he's coming back. We're one day closer. One day closer. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Nothing else matters except that finish line. Nothing else matters. Let's keep our eyes fixed on the prize. Run the race to win it together. Helping each other. Encouraging one another. Living our lives according to the standard of the cross. Putting no obstacles before our brothers, no obstacle before the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this flock. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for your leadership. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that that 
your spirit would drive home to us in the next week, in the next, in the months and years to come, that you would show us, Lord, how we got, how the different areas, Lord Jesus, to submit to the cross. Lord, I pray that you would keep all of us in this room and keep your body on a course for that day, the day that you appear, that, Lord Jesus, it will be the consuming thought in our minds, the day when our King returns in power and in glory and saves, these, saves us from these bodies of death and gives us new bodies and restores all things. Oh, God, Jesus is worth it. The gospel is worth it. God, I ask you, God, to keep the prize before us and to give us understanding about what the process looks like between now and then so that we're not offended at you, so that we are equipped to run the race most effectively. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Commit this flock and your people to the work of your grace, O God Almighty, to the work of your grace, which is able to give us an inheritance. We exalt the work of your grace in our minds. We exalt the work of your grace in our families. We exalt the power and the might and the work of your grace and your faithfulness in our speech, in our thought life. In those moments when the devil comes, comes at us like a flood, we exalt the work of your grace, O oh God. And we're asking you to complete the work you've begun in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.